0: May the church say amen. 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 What a a great thing to do is to write songs that come straight from Scripture. How about that? Amen. I'm thankful for for these guys, those that have led us in worship as pastor Rainey is away on missions. Uh, I tell you, East of is blessed. Amen we just some great folks that step up and serve and do what's necessary, have great talents, and I'm so thankful for them. And, uh, and so thank you for doing that. Uh, it eases a pastor's heart when staff members are away, but you know the folks that are stepping in, Or uh, man, they just do a great job and they're always willing to serve. So thank you so much. As we continue in our faithful series, we're looking at the word missions, being faithful, in by the way, if you have ordered a sign and you never got that, we got more in uh, the signs that look like this, the faithful signs, and then the smaller ones. Uh, there are some at the welcome desk, and uh, they uh, you can purchase those there. And so, uh, make sure you uh, make sure you get them uh, if you ordered one. They're back there. So, I uh, just want to remind you about that. Uh, And so uh, we're looking at the word faithful. And we want to be reminded of being faithful in all five core values of our church. And we've walked through these core values. You see those that are part of our mission statement. Uh, We are to love, learn, and live. We love God through worship. And we love people through fellowship. We learn God through discipleship. And we live that out in evangelism and missions. And so we're looking at the word missions. We uh, briefly discussed missions last week, and we are uh, looking at missions today. I hope that you will join us in the next couple weeks as we will be able to hear about our mission trips that have taken place in the past couple of weeks. It's always a blessing and an honor. To be able to hear from our mission teams as they return back from the mission field. And so I I want to look into the scriptures this morning of what the Bible says about missions. Now, the verses that I will use this morning are probably not your typical missions passages. Uh, I came across these verses a week or two ago, and uh, they've been impressed on my heart. I actually shared these scriptures in our staff meeting on Tuesday, and so if you will turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I want to read two verses for us this morning, they're not joined together, but I want to read two verses for us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're reminded of the audience that is hearing Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, this is the church, this is Paul writing to the church at Corinth, he is reminding them of the gospel. In light of the gospel, the beauty and the power of the gospel, the uh, reminding us of our future after death, what does that look like? And what is our ministry with the gospel? And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to read verses 10 and then verse 20. And so if you have found your place in the scriptures, you've opened your apps, you'll stand with me as we read the scriptures together. Second Corinthians chapter 5, we will read Uh, verse 10 and verse 20. The Bible says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each may be repaid for what He has done in the body, whether good or evil, or good or worthless. For we must all appear. Remember, He's talking to the church. These are believers. These are Christ followers, what we would call Christians. You will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Why? So that you may be repaid. What for? For what you have done in the body, whether good or worthless, good or evil. Look at verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making His appeal through us, what are we ambassadors for? We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. It's our only message. It's the only message the church has today, but it's one message that we're not hearing enough from the church. Be reconciled to God. It's the only message we have. Although on social media and on our media outlets and on TVs we hear a lot of other messages coming from the church, but we're not hearing. Be reconciled to God. We're hearing homosexuality is bad, adultery is bad, this is bad, that party is bad. All of this is bad. But we're not preaching Christ crucified. We are to preach one message, and that message is this. Be reconciled to God. You want to know why? Because when people are reconciled to God, it takes care of all the other things. We preach preach Christ crucified. Let's pray together, Lord. I pray that we will be a church that nobody, no no one hears anything from this church but Christ and Him crucified. I pray that we are a church with strong convictions that we preach on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Help us to be faithful in missions. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. As we read in... 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, we see an evaluation process. Observation number one is this. In our evaluation, we will be judged on our response to being saved from sin. We will be judged on our response to being saved from sin. In verse 10 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one of us will be repaid for what he has done in the body, whether good things or whether evil things or unworthy things or useless things. When I read that, I hear this. There is an evaluation process that will take place. All followers of Christ... You will stand before the Lord Jesus. You will not stand before God and the great white throne of judgment. That is for the unbelievers, those that have rejected Christ in this lifetime. No, you and I will stand before the Lord Jesus and we will give an account. There will be an evaluation process before the Lord Jesus. It's nothing new to you. It's nothing new to us. If you work in a company, you have evaluation processes where you work, they evaluate how you do as an employee, there is an evaluation process. They fill it out. You go before your employer or a supervisor or a group of people. And what do they do? They tell you all the things you're doing right. And they tell you all the things you're doing wrong and how you can correct those problem areas. Well, the Bible says that as Christ followers, you and I have an evaluation process. And we will stand before the Lord Jesus and we will give an evaluation Uh, We will give an account. We will be held accountable. And we will be judged not on our sin, but on the response to being saved from sin. You will not be judged on your sin. Praise the Lord for that. Amen? Aren't you thankful? I believe when I was growing up, I heard it all the time. I used to think that when I didn't want to go to heaven because they're going to have a big old billboard, a huge television screen, and it's going to have all the wrong things that I've ever done in my life, and everybody's going to see that. Anybody else ever think that? Am I the only one? Surely I'm not the only weird one in here. Everybody else in here? Yeah, didn't they? I used to think that. Oh, when I go to heaven, they're going to have a big TV screen. And and they're going to show all the bad things that I've ever done. And everybody's going to sin. I don't want that. That's not what's, that's that's biblically wrong. That's not what's going to happen. But as a believer, as a follower of Christ, you will stand before the Lord. And you will not be judged on your sin. Why? Because uh, Christ has covered your sin with his righteousness. Amen. You will not be judged on your wrongdoings. God has covered your sins as far as the east is from the west, cast to the depths of the sea to so be we remembered no more. remember that there's a lot of forgetting, and it's by God. He forgets our sins. Amen? So we stand before the Lord will not be judged on our sin. But we will be judged in sins. We will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to be repaid for what he has done in the body, whether good or or evil we will have this evaluation process and the lord will discuss our problem areas or our lack of witness and what will be your excuses for not going what will be your excuses for not sharing what will be your excuses for not doing what will you say will you stand before the lord jesus and you have an evaluation and god says jesus says god saved you i died on the cross for your, your sins so that you can be redeemed. What did you do after that? Why, what will you say? What will be your responses? When he says you, didn't go to, you are not faithful to the body of believers, what are you going to say? What, what is your excuse? There will be a lot of excuses. There won't be many reasons. What will you say? When, when Jesus evaluates you on your witness and lack of witness, lack of going, and lack of uh, sharing the gospel with those around you, what are you going to say? Most people today, they would say, Well, I just don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. You see, we're going to stand before the Lord Jesus and tell Jesus, Well, God, I, I'm sorry, I would have done more, but I just didn't have enough time. We don't have enough time. Many people say, Well, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I don't know who to go to. Who do I go where do I go? When do I go? What do I say? When we have this evaluation process, we stand before the Lord Jesus. And let me tell you this this is not some fairy tale deal. This will happen. It will happen. Every person under the sound of my voice that has trusted in Christ, you are a Christ follower. Listen to me, church. You will stand before Jesus. It will happen. That's why the Bible says you can either bow now or you can bow then. But you will bow. Whether bowing in the rejection of Christ, you will bow before the Lord for the first time there, or you will stand before Jesus. You will give an account. You will be held accountable for all the teachings that Christ has given us to go make disciples of all nations. Baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I'm with you always. You will be my witnesses in Samaria to the ends of the earth. And when you stand before Jesus and he says, Well, why didn't you go? What are you going to say? What are you going to say? Well, I didn't have enough time. Most people say that. What do you think Jesus would respond with? Well, that's okay. That's fine. I, I'm sorry if you didn't have enough time in your schedule to do that. It's totally fine. Totally fine. You filled your schedule with pleasing worldly pleasures through work and vacations and sports and hobbies and relaxing. and You found all the time to do that, but you didn't find time to obey the scriptures. Some people say, well, I, I don't know what to say.
1: And to that, I think the response would
0: be, you must know something to say something. We said that last week, in order to say something, you must know something. You have no problem talking about sports. We have no problem talking about other people. We have no problem talking about our teachers and our co-workers and good Lord politics and gossiping and nagging about things. But when it comes to the greater, most important commands to share the gospel, all of a sudden we have lost job. all of a sudden we don't know what to say. Do you think it's going to hold up before the Lord? Do you think he's going to go, man, that's okay. I know you spent all your time learning about you know, college football and learning how to do your job, and and I know that took a lot out of you, but just bless your heart. I don't think bless your heart is going to be said in heaven. I just don't think so. I don't know. People say, well, I don't know who to go to. Who do I go to? I've heard this. I don't want to hurt their feelings. Many of us don't want to stop our own sinful lifestyle so we don't call others out on their sinful lifestyle. Here's one thing I do know when it comes to this evaluation process, when you and I stand, listen, it's going to happen. As sure as I'm standing in front of you right now, you and I will stand before Jesus. It doesn't matter if you're 105 or five, if you're a teenager, it doesn't matter when it is. You will stand before Jesus and you will be judged on your response of being saved. And what will happen when you do that? Here's what I know. We've got time. We've got plenty of time. If we read our Bible and we pray often, we would know what to say. And there are plenty of people around us for us to tell. I think many of us give a lot of excuses, but we don't have a lot of good reasons why. And I think when we look at the word missions, when we look at being faithful in missions, we have to be reminded that one day I'm going to stand before the Lord, and I will give an account on my interactions with missions. And I will give, uh, there will be an evaluation on how faithful I was to missions to going. What will you say? What will be your excuse? What will be the reason why you tell the Lord Jesus and all of his perfections, I just didn't have the time, Lord, I, I apologize. I was, I was so busy being cool. I was so busy living my life and just being also, I just didn't have time. Observation number two, missions is going. This is kind of a long observation. It helps you stay focused. You have to fill in the blanks. Missions is going. Evangelism is telling. Discipleship is knowing. Fellowship is caring. And worship is the beginning. Missions is going. I used to look at the Great Commission, which is where we get this from, that says. Go and make disciples of all nations. And I used to say, well, missions is the of all nations part. I believe God's changing my heart a little bit on that. When I look at the Great Commission, when I see the word go, that's where missions comes in. Missions is not just to all nations. Missions is simply going. Evangelism is the telling. Discipleship is the knowing. Fellowship is the carrying. And worship is the beginning. People say, well, I don't have time. I don't know what to say. I don't know who to go to. If you were faithful in missions, you would be going. If you were faithful in evangelism, you would be telling. You would know what to say. If you were faithful in fellowship, you would have compassion and care about people. You're faithful in discipleship, you'd know what to say. If you're faithful in worship, you would be encouraged and compelled to go. Missions is going. It doesn't have to be around the world. It could be across the street. It could be in another state. It could be in the office beside you. It doesn't have to be across town. It could be to your co-worker, to your uh, teammate, a coach, uh, a neighbor. It could be to a family member, a spouse, a child. Missions is going. Just go. That's all God is calling us to be grateful in doing is just going. Be available and willing to just go. The problem is that most of us are not available to go. We're not willing to go. We're fine out right where we are. We live in the Bible, bed, which I think is a curse, to be honest with you. I think it'd be a curse for us. We're comfortable in our lifestyles. And, uh, you know, we give up all kinds of excuses. Well, missions is expensive. It sure is expensive. Missions is very expensive. But I don't think it's too expensive that that guy in Caledonia believes that once was lost, now he's found. I believe it's worth every penny. He would say so. Don't you think so? Don't you think so? Missions is expensive. That's why I don't go. I, oh, miss, I, I, I love this. I love this, man. I, I, you can argue with me all you want to about missions. You're going to lose. You'll lose. You know why? Because God's for missions. The Bible is for missions. I'm not talking about international. I'm just talking about going. Missions can be going across the hall to a neighbor, to a co-worker. God's permissions, you're going to lose that battle every time. You know what I hear people say? This is amazing. Well, I think we ought to be doing it around here. preacher. I love that. To which I'll go, okay, we'll do it. Are you going? I don't know, preacher. I don't know about all that. Why are you going around the world? There's people here that need Jesus. Don't they? Yes. You're probably one of them. That's why I'm here talking to you. Trying to send to you. I love the argument. It's not a valid argument. It's a bad argument. I don't know why we go across the world when we've got people right here that need Jesus. Well, go tell them. Amen? Go tell them. Tell them about the Lord Jesus. Be faithful in going. Be faithful in missions. It is expensive, but it's worth it. It was worth it to you, wasn't it? It was worth it to you that somebody told you the gospel. That they shared Christ with you. And that God saved you. And that one day you will spend eternity with him in heaven. When we look at all five core values, I think it really does start with worship. I think the reason why people don't aren't involved in knowing good discipleship is because they don't worship properly. They're not involved in uh, evangelism and telling the gospel because they don't worship properly. They're not involved in fellowship with people and caring because they don't worship properly. They're not involved in missions in going because they don't worship properly. Why? Because Jesus said in John 12, 32, As for me, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. If I'm lifted up, If I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. It may be that your family has not come to the Lord Jesus because you are not lifting up the name of the Lord properly. It may be that the church, we're not worshiping the Lord as we ought to be worshiping and honoring and lifting his name. That may be why we're not seeing revival. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. It starts with worship. It starts with gathering together as the saints that we honor the Lord. We worship the Lord. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's nothing sweeter than the church gathering together, lifting up holy hands, coming and praying at the Lord's altar and worshiping him. I think that's where salvation begins. If we honor and worship him. If I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. They will be faithful in missions. Listen, there's an evaluation process that will take place. You will be there. There is no calling out sick in that meeting. Uh, you will be there. And guess what? You will be on time. And you will stand before the Lord Jesus with the pierced hands and the scars on his side. And Jesus will look at you and will ask you, what did you do with the salvation that you received? What are you going to say? I went to church. I mean, I went to Sunday school. I I mean, I served on this committee, or I did that. I wasn't faithful to it, but at least I went. Observation number three. Going and telling is the only reason we're kept on this earth. Going and telling is the only reason we're kept on this earth. When you look at verse twenty. This is our task, this is missions. It doesn't matter where, what matters is what. Please, when you hear the word missions, and I'm having to correct this in my own heart, when I think of missions, I think of international. Please don't do that. Can Can I help us kind of steer your heart and your mind away that when we say missions, we mean international missions. Long way away. Missions is not necessarily a long way. Missions can be the person right beside you. When we look at verse 20, it says, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ. You know what an ambassador is? An ambassador is someone that their number one responsibility is to represent something or someone. That's their only job. When I was at uh, West Alabama, the University of West Alabama, I had the honor and what a privilege it was I was asked to be an ambassador for the West, for University of West Alabama. And did you know, I know what you're thinking, they asked you to do that. They did. They asked me to do that. And do you know, to this day, there are so many more students at that school now than from when I started. I think it was from me. I don't know. I think I was a an ambassador. I think they were really thinking, if he could make it, we got it. If he could do it, we could do it. I was an ambassador for the University of West Alabama. My number one job was to represent them. Everything I said represented the school. Everything I did represented the school. If I said it, that meant the school said it. If I did it, my my attitude, that represented the school's attitude.
1: And the Bible says
0: that we are ambassadors for Christ. You are the same thing for the Lord Jesus. Everything you do, everything you say represents Him. And then he goes on, since God is making his appeal through us, that means we are plan A. There is no plan B for reaching the nations with the gospel. There's no other plan out there. You're it. You're the only plan. God has. There's no other Bible. There's no other scripture. You're plan A to reach the nations. You're God's plan to reach your neighbor, to reach your coworker, your friend, your family member. God is appealing through you. And what is our plea? We plead on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. Those four words. Be reconciled to God. It's the only message we have as the church. We have no other message. So what do we plead with our lost neighbors? Be reconciled to God. What do we plead with our co-workers at our church and we don't like them and, and they're mean to us and we're, we're, they're getting on our nerves we have to do their job and they are not in their job. What do we plead? Be reconciled to God. What do we plead with people? We don't plead go to church. We plead come to Jesus. Going and telling is the only reason we're kept here on earth. It's the only reason we're here. And we have been duped into thinking that we're here only To live this American dream, to gain big houses, newer cars, bigger vacations, more stuff, more things, better things. All the while, God's saying no. The only reason you're still living, the only reason you have breath in your lungs, is to go and tell. That's it. That's it. It's the only reason God allows us to continue breathing, is to go and to tell. To go in missions and to tell the gospel. That's why we exist. That's why you exist. When you stand before the Lord Jesus, He's not going to ask you about those new tires you got on your truck. He's not going to ask you about that new boat you got, about, you know, the new electronics you got on the front of that boat. He's not going to ask you about that new job, that promotion you got that you were so excited about. He's not going to ask you about that 401k, all the the money you gained in your life. No! He's going to ask you, did you go and did you tell? What are you going to say? No and no. God, look at all of this I did do, though. Look at what I did build, though. Look at all of this. What will be your excuse? Observation number four. Who do we go to and what do we tell them? Who do we go to and what do we tell them? I think the Bible is very clear when we look at the Great Commission. It says to go, make disciples. Who do we go to? Of all nations. Who do we go to? Of all nations. That means everyone. Red, yellow, black, or white—they're all precious in the sight. Who do we go to? We go to all the nations. I love uh, uh, Pastor Kevin Ham's a good friend of mine. Just texted the other day. Uh, great prayer partner. He prays for me, and I pray for him. Just wonderful guy. Uh, they have a saying at their church: across the street and around the world. When you think of missions, that's what you ought to think of, across the street and around the world. Missions is not just necessarily around the world, but it can also be across the street. It can also be the person sitting beside you this morning. It can also be your neighbor, a coworker, a friend, the walker beside you, the person who lines up beside you on your sports team. Who do we go to? We go to all the nations. And what do we tell them? We tell them to be reconciled to God. We tell them to be reconciled to God. We tell them the gospel. It's the only message we have as a church, and yet it's the one message that the world is missing out on. It's the only message God has given us as a church, and yet it's the one message most of the world is missing out on. Most of the world, they know what we're against. Don't they? Why? We put it all out on social media. We vote what we're against. We yell what we're against. We'll stand on the mount the, on the tops and we'll tell everybody what we're not for. But we neglect the one thing God has told us to tell them, and that is to be reconciled to God. The gospel. Be reconciled to God. Tell the gospel. And listen to me. To tell the gospel, you must know the gospel. To tell the gospel, you must know the gospel. One commentary put it this way. The gospel doesn't save us from our pity. It doesn't save us from our discomforts and bad decisions. Although in the end, it does do that. The gospel saves us from God's wrath. That's why Paul says to plead with them to be reconciled to God. Not so that their pity is removed or all their darkness will be cast away. Because that probably won't happen. But that God's wrath will be removed from them. That is what we're preaching. When we preach the gospel, when we preach Christ crucified, when we preach, when we plead to people to be reconciled to God, we're not preaching that all of their darkness is going to, oh, you just pray this prayer. Everything's just gonna go wonderful. Life's gonna be great, and all your pity is gonna be removed, and your discomforts are gonna be moved. They're gonna be taken out of your life, darkness will just Flee from you. That's probably not going to happen. In the end it will. Because when we go to heaven, none of that is there. That's not why we plead. That's why Paul said, plead. Why? So that God's wrath will be removed from them. People need to know, Jesus did not die on the cross for their pity. He did not die on the cross so that their discomforts can be turned into comfort. He died on the cross so that God's wrath will be removed. That's what we preach. That's what it means when Paul says to be reconciled to God. The good news of the gospel is not that Jesus would heal you of all your sicknesses now. Listen to me. The good news of the gospel is not that Jesus would heal you of all your sicknesses now. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus will heal you of all your sins now. Now. We don't preach Christ crucified. We don't plead that people will be reconciled to God so that their sicknesses can be removed now, because it may not be. But we do preach Christ crucified. We do plead with people be reconciled to God. Why? So that your sins will be removed now, now, today, tomorrow, and forever. That's why we plead with people to be reconciled to God so that their sins will be removed, so that God's wrath will be taken away from them. I pray that you and I will seek people for who they are, an object of God's wrath or a recipient of God's grace. When you seek people, may you look at them as God sees them. They're either an object of God's wrath, meaning God's wrath is coming upon them, And they will not be able to escape. Or they are a recipient of God's amazing grace. Let's do a mock evaluation. You can answer these on paper. You can answer these in your head, whatever you would like to do. You can write them down, or you may be embarrassed to do so. When was the last time you did, in fact, go and tell? Was it in the last week? The last month or the last year? When was the last time you, in fact, you went, you did go, and you did tell? And I mean, I don't mean just, I mean like intentional. You were intentional about, I'm going to go to that person, and I'm going to tell them about Jesus. Okay? Not, I went to that person, I invited them to church. No, 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 no. Paul says we plead with them to be reconciled to God, not to the church, to God. I'm going to abide in to church, buy them to Jesus. Was it in the last week, the last month, the last year, or the last five years? Second question. Who was the last person you had a meaningful spiritual conversation with that led to either your testimony being shared or the gospel being shared? When was the last time you had a meaningful spiritual conversation that either led to your testimony or the gospel being shared? Was it in the last week? Was it in the last month? The last year or the last five years, that you intentionally you had a spiritual conversation, you were having a conversation with somebody and turned into a spiritual conversation intentionally, and you either shared the gospel for your salvation. Number three, who is your one that God is leading you to, and have you let them uh, led them through the plan of salvation? Who is your one that we talked about? Who is your one that God's leading you to? And have you led them to the plan of salvation? Have you led them to the gospel? You say, "No, I'm praying for them." Okay, and then at some point, how will they know unless they hear? They need to hear the gospel. Well, I preach the gospel and necessarily use words. That is so unbiblical. No, I live out the gospel in my life. No, you don't. No, you don't word brother, I live. I live it out in my life. That's fantastic. Go tell them about Jesus. Are you leading them to you or to Jesus? Preach Christ crucified. Tell them the gospel. Open your mouth. I just, brother, I just live it out. We we'll live it out. Talk it out too. Tell them about the Lord Jesus. Tell them about all He's done for you. Tell them about that you're going to go to heaven one day. Tell them about how He's provided for you, that He's forgiven of your sins. Tell them about how He provided for you yesterday. He woke you up in His graces and His new mercies this morning. i live an the gospel out in my life. I preach God for that. But tell them about Jesus, brother. Tell them about the Lord. How will they know? Listen, oh, brother, I can't do that. That's not my gift. No, you're lying to yourself. No, I don't, that's, my gift is not telling them, you are lying, the devil has deceived you, it is all of our responsibility to open our mouth and tell people about Jesus. I can't do that preacher, yes you can, yes you can, you can do it, I can't do it, yes you can, I hear it all the time, that's just not my gift, you have no clue what your gifts are, your gift is to tell people about Jesus, that's your gift, see I'm still kind of young and dumb, I tell people that. That's not going to get brother Hush. Your gift is to tell me about Jesus. You can do it. You mean to tell me, listen to me. You mean to tell me that when you were sinking deep and sin, far from the peaceful shore, you mean to tell me that God reached down, pulled you out of the miry clay, out of utter darkness, and you were dead in your trespasses? God pulled you out of that, set you in a marvelous light. God saved you, provided for you, died for you, is walking with you daily, comforts you daily, and you can't tell that to anybody? And yet you can tell them all about your favorite football team? Don't just live it, brother. Sister, preach it. I'm not a preacher. Yes, you are. Who told you that? You're a minister of the gospel. We're all ministers. Last question: When was the last time you seriously thanked the Lord Jesus from taking on God's wrath in your place? When was the last time you seriously thanked the Lord for taking on God's wrath for you? See, so I think this is where it starts. You remember when I said it starts with worship? This is where it starts. If you want to be faithful in missions then go in. Go in and going, going and telling, it. it starts on our knees, thanking the Lord in a moment of worship. God, thank you for taking God's wrath from me. It starts with worship. God help me to preach Christ crucified. What would it be like? Listen, what would it be like if every person in this room this week, you had an intentional conversation with somebody this week, you shared the gospel. You told them about Jesus, who he was. You said, I don't know much about him. You may not know, you may not know a lot, but tell them what you do know. Here's what I know, it's not your fancy words that saves people, it's the gospel that saves people. You hear me? It is the gospel that is the power of salvation, not your fancy words and your nice prayers and your presentations. Presentations don't save people, Jesus does. You can learn EE faith, you can learn CWT, you can learn all those, everybody here knows a lot of them. You can know three circles, you can know every one of them, but it comes down to this. Year long, Jesus died for your sins, and if you'll trust in him, he'll save you. And God uses that to save people. Guess what? He used that to save you. That's all we need. Would you go and say, let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the scriptures. Lord, we've had an evaluation in here. And I, I can't speak for anybody in here, Lord. I can speak for me. I have failed miserably on this test. Lord, I've not done a good job. Lord, with each question I just preached this week as you that brought it to my attention, a lack of going and telling. Lord, may we be a church that is faithful in missions, whether it's across the street or around the world. But God, that starts right now. It starts in this moment. It starts in a moment of worship that we can sincerely with all heart we can come and pray and thank you Jesus for taking God's wrath from us. Listen, if you're in this room and you, you took that evaluation I know it's very simple. I don't think that's how it's going to go. I don't really know really how it's going to go before the Lord. It'll probably be a lot harder than that. I imagine. We're going to be a lot more nervous. Because I don't know your answers but He does. I hope and pray that that the evaluation will be different than today's evaluation. So maybe here this morning, you know you're saved. You know the Lord Jesus. But you want to come and pray because we're, uh, mission starts at worship. You want to come and pray and thank the Lord genuinely that he has removed God's wrath from you. And you're praying for that one person you're going to share the gospel with this week. You're going to be involved in going and telling this week. You're going to come and pray in just a moment. Or right now, some have already come and prayed. You can come pray too. Say, God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I can do this. The greatest part of the Great Commission is Jesus says, in love, I'm with you always. I'm with you. It's not in the eloquence of your words, but it's in the power of the scriptures that you teach, that you tell. May we be a church that is faithful in going and telling. Maybe you're here this morning and you need Jesus. You've heard about this man named Jesus. That he has taken the wrath of God and, oh, upon himself on the cross and, and you have not received that grace in your life. In a moment we're going to stand and sing we call an invitation. We're inviting you to Jesus. I'll be down front. Pastor Matt we'll be down front. We'd love to pray with you, lead you to the cross, lead you to the Lord. Maybe you need the Lord Jesus. But listen, more importantly. May we leave this place today with a heart of gratitude and thanks, but also with a great passion and a great zeal that I'm leaving here today. I'm going to the mission field, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to tell. I'm going to go, and I'm going to tell. When was the last time you did that? Can you imagine what our church services would be if we were all, just half of us were faithful in going and telling? I believe we'd see more people get saved. I believe we'd see more people get baptized. I believe we'd see more families stick together. We'd see more husbands and wives stick together. I'd, I believe we'd see more children and teenagers love their parents and not rebel as much. I believe we'd see more coworkers come together uh, and do great things. I believe we'd see churches come together to do magnificent things for the kingdom. Don't you want that? May we be faithful in going. And may we be faithful in telling. Who do we go to? We go to the nations. What do we tell them? We tell them to be reconciled to God. Father, have your way. In Jesus'
1: name. Amen. Will you stand in?